Texas From lunchtime till breakfast The sphere is infectious What savory that's precious What else would you expect? Welcome to Friday Night Lives Hi everyone and welcome to Friday Night Lives The podcast about the hit television show Friday Night Lights This week we're talking about Season 1, Episode 3, Wind Sprints I'm Jeff And I'm Bree And I'm freezing right now. I literally came over here in my pajamas, wrapped in a blanket. We're going to post a picture on our Twitter account because you need to see what I look like. My landlord asked me if I was moving out. (laughs) He thought I looked like I was on the run. It's been so much rain, just like cold, bone chilling temperatures. Uh Yeah, I'm really taking advantage of it because I've been running in it and I was just like, oh yeah, Get cut to my bones. Make me run a little bit faster so that my sweat can chill my body. Do you feel when you're running in the cold temperature, I always think of like my lungs just can't heat the air fast enough and that freaks me Interesting. out. Interesting. Interesting. I have a, a lung problem, which we don't have to talk about at this moment. But your lungs, they constrict in the cold air, so your lung capacity is actually lowered. So I wonder if that is why you feel that way. I noticed for me... When it's really cold, I have a really hard time taking full breaths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's probably part of it too. Well, right now we're both drinking hot chocolate, albeit we're drinking different types of hot chocolate. I'm drinking bougie Ghirardelli double chocolate, and I offered it to Brie. And, and she- I stuck out my tongue because it looked disgusting. Who it's, needs oh, who needs so- fancy hot chocolate? I don't understand. <clears throat> I think I got it as a gift, and I am so thankful. But I did have some... Basic. Basic key food, hot chocolate. (laughs) Key foods, if you don't know, is basically like a New York version of... I, I wouldn't all supermarkets. I, of are, all supermarkets. Speaking of, what was your regional? What was your regional supermarket that you went to as a child in Texas? Um, Walmart. Oh. Because Walmart's have food. Super and, centers. Yes. Well, they're all super centers in Texas because I think. Stores are cheaper? I don't know. Uh, it's just Walmart is kind of what you go to. That's where I went for food. I also, uh, most of my memories of going to the grocery store was when, when I was little, was when I lived in the rural area of Texas. And so Walmart was honestly the only thing. And you had to drive 25 minutes to get to the grocery yeah. store. I don't think any of the Walmarts where I grew up were super centers. They were all just like general, I don't know, you get like, clothes, like clothing stores? clothes and electronics. And maybe plants. Like, they had weird things. Like they had food, but they had uh, processed or packaged food. They didn't have any fresh oh, produce. Yeah. They probably had some frozen things, too. But. Yeah, I would say I primarily went to Walmart for food purposes more than accessory or lifestyle choices. We also did have Piggly Wigglies, which I say. feel like is a Southern thing, but I think I went once. I don't know. No. There's a lot of great named grocery stores. There's Name like. Go. Shop and Save. Mm-hmm. There's Giant Eagle. I don't know why I find that so funny. But Giant like, Eagle? Giant Eagle. It's in the Pittsburgh area. And if you're from Pittsburgh, you say like Gin Eagle. Because really? that's your. I'm I thought if terrible. you were from Pittsburgh, you would go to Wawa. Pro- but Wawa is just like a convenience store, I think. Oh, yeah, you're right. This is like a. Well, Wawa could be your everything because Wawa is amazing. I went to Wawa for the first time earlier this year and mm-hmm. it really was magical. I almost didn't go in because I didn't want to burst the bubble, you know? <laughs> I wanted to keep thinking that it was great because I was like, there's no way people have been talking about this for as long as yeah. they have. And it be this magical thing that they thought it was, but. 
it really, it, it was magical. They had dirt cups, which are cups with Oreos, chocolate pudding, and gummy worms. Wait, I did not experience that at my one I went to Wawa earlier this year, too, actually, with Megan, who loves Wawa. We went and we were going hiking. And similarly, I felt like it could not live up to all of the amazing acclaim that I've heard about it. But it was amazing. I think I got, like great trail mix and maybe like a yogurt. Probably made there. They have yeah. There, it's amazing. Um, so that's enough about regional <laughs> grocery stores, I think, unless you want to name some more like a come and go or <laughs> <laughs> I think those are all you're naming all like convenience stores, but there's uh, because, uh, we, we, because for me Walmart was the grocery store, so I, I guess every know. other thing. I mean there was like an Albertsons, a Kroger's, but those yeah. cost more money, so we didn't go there. That's true. There's uh now I can't think of any funny ones. But there's Stop and Shop where I grew up. Okay. That's not that exciting. There was Star Market, Stop and Shop, Shaw's. What about Speedways? Yeah, speaking of. What a great transition that we <laughs> honestly didn't Did not plan, plan, but it sounds great. So on the first episode, I talked about Dunkin' Donuts a lot, and so did Jeff because he's from the Dunkin' Donuts headquarters um, area. The headquarters. I was going to call it something like. Dunkin' Donuts Land, that's appropriate. Yeah, Land, Kingdom. Dunkin' Donuts Kingdom, that's what Massachusetts reminds me of. Everything is a fiefdom or yeah, a kingdom. Yeah, yeah. But the Dunkin' Donuts at all the Speedway, not every Dunkin' Donuts, but every Speedway, but Dunkin' Donuts announced this week that they're closing 100 locations all at Speedways. Which is a gas station. Which is a gas station. And is, I guess also what I consider to be a grocery store. But is it like... A shell or a mobile, or is that just the name of the convenience store within the gas station? Because I feel like, aren't there like yeah. mobile speedways? Am I making that up? No, I think speedways are like a shell or a Texaco or something like that. They are their own entity. And then next to it would be a Dunkin' Donuts, which is also where you would see like a Burger King or maybe your local pizza type place. We so had, they're closing. Yeah, we had some Dunkin' Donuts that were also parts of gas stations where I grew up, but I don't think there were, there's no speedways near mm-hmm. where I grew up, so. I also want to apologize, because you're going to hear a lot of little clinky clinks, <laughs> because I cannot stop myself from drinking my hot chocolate, and the only way I drink my hot chocolate is directly from a spoon, like I'm bottle feeding myself. I was just, I, now that you said that I was watching you do that, but it wasn't being processed as something weird, now that you're saying it, I'm realizing... You don't sip your hot... Well, I guess you're sipping. So there's also going to be slurp noises. Like... Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure your ears really enjoyed that. So it's like it's like soup, but it's not. Yeah, you know... Do you yeah. drink... Oh, but you have coffee with that. I, mean, it's not I don't... Just... Well, because hot chocolate is a treat, you know? <laughs> it's not what I, I'm... It's, right now, it's a late-night snack. So it's your, your process yeah. of savoring it. Whereas I'm like, gulp, 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 I want another one. Fill me up with warmth. I yeah. also eat my mashed potatoes like they're a treat because that's my favorite <laughs> treat of all time. My family always comments that I eat mashed potatoes the way most people eat ice cream. And that I, do I you eat, put it in a cup? No, I, I mean, it's in a bowl usually, okay. but I okay. do have a special bowl for my mashed potatoes. But uh, ice cream comes in a bowl too. Sometimes. Right, it comes in a bowl. And I will do the thing. I, I don't, this is... It's so hard to describe this without being visual, but I I really savor my bites of mashed potatoes and that like you do a first grazing of the of the spoon and you leave some and then you come back for that last bite and that's how I eat my mashed potatoes because honestly I'd rather mashed potatoes over ice cream. It's a is that a, a Texas thing? No, it's it's a I, those are two of my favorite things okay. actually. I 
I'm hard pressed to decide which one I like more. I've recently been on a Talenti kick, which is ice cream. Thank Talenti you. Ice cream. Oh, <laughs> again, this is like his bougie hot chocolate. <laughs> I I eat Bluebell, which is a Texas ice cream place that we shall not talk about at this moment. I prefer Brahms, though, another Texas ice cream place. But Bluebell is fancy. Is it? No, it's like $2. Oh, I, didn't. I thought it was fancy. Ice cream in Texas, you can get three scoops for like two fifty. Oh. Three scoops in New York is $10. Yeah, just... you don't want to know what I paid for a half pint of Twenty nine. No, $6, but that's always what I pay. But it's coffee, chocolate chip, and it is divine. Okay. And I might have had a half pint to myself over the course of the last 24 hours. I'm Which is probably you. why I'm so cold. Like Let's my apartment is cold, and I decided instead of having a warm dessert, mm-hmm. that I was going to mostly have ice cream as a main meal. Yeah, I, I fully support that. I also fully support your ice cream and mashed potato endeavors. I really think you should record your favorite recipes and Jeff the chef oh, yeah. the cookbook that I want you to start we because to make Jeff this is a great chef. Thank you. I'm putting it into the universe. Yeah. The secret is out. This is like what Oprah does. She talks about it and now it's going to be real. Harpo Studios. Call us up. <laughs> There's not a transition for this. There's but... not because we talk so much. Thank you for listening. <laughs> But we're going to talk about our favorite scenes. So, Brie, what was your favorite scene from this episode? I got a quick slip of my hot cocoa before that. So, my favorite scene is kind of close to the end. And I think most of my favorite scenes are going to be that way because that's just when my heartstrings are pulled. I really connected with the whole Jason and Lila fighting scene. It sets up Lila's birthday. She spends it in the hospital with Jason Street. They watch a movie together. They don't tell you what movie it is. I, I, I wonder. Yes. I was just wondering if I was getting like, confused with like the other scene with them in the hospital no, together. that's but correct. That they also, a different they, scene. I noticed that she brought Tupperware. I don't know why that was so telling to me, but I was like, oh, that kind of, it made it, that was the saddest part for me where they talk about, where he was like, oh, this wasn't what you planned for your birthday or pictured for your birthday. And the idea that she was spending her birthday with him in the hospital wasn't sad. The fact that she had brought Tupperware probably at their meal and maybe of cake, I imagined, mm-hmm. was so traumatizing to me. Yeah, I mean... As if bringing I, Tupperware is so tragic. Like, you do that every day for lunch. I mean, I think what's really sad is... Excuse me. I have hot cocoa burps, I guess. The thing... I mean, because he's probably tired of the hospital food, right? And so I assume everyone's bringing him Tupperware. But it does kind of... The idea, I guess, is that Lila made her own birthday dinner and then brought it to share with Jason. That's kind of sad. The whole scene continues on this sadness note because they have a huge fight where Jason and Lila basically break up. He he says, you and me, we're not getting married. I need you to do something for me. Get out. He obviously said that way more passionately than I did, but... It, it honestly, it broke my heart a little bit. Lila's been trying so hard to the point that I picked up on the fact that she was probably making the situation harder for Jason by constantly visiting him and trying to tell him, you're going to get better, like people have these miracles. And I, you know, I felt the tension there. I did not expect it to explode in the way that it did. And it was just, it really made me think because this poor girl, not only is her boyfriend breaking up with her, but her entire vision of her future is completely changed because in her mind, she she's not necessarily talk, talking about college or about the job she wants. She's talking about marrying Jason Street, and that's just that those are her plans. 
And so this entire worldview of hers has been completely rocked and turned upside down. And when I can't predict the next five years of my life, I turn into a huge ball of anxiety. And every time that I've gone deep down into a depression hole or my anxiety's gotten really bad, it's always been triggered by not understanding what the next year of my life is going mm-hmm. to be like. Do you ever, like, what? what is the... Un- surety that's not a word but i mean I like the unsurety of the future what is is that your most anxious moments yeah i definitely think that it was an adjustment for me i feel like in a weird way of realizing that adulthood for me was full of this uncertainty uh-huh. in that growing up it was clear that i was on this trajectory for you know whether it was literally me making it through kindergarten or graduating elementary school and then it became you know middle school and high school and then college and there was plenty of uncertainty in there when you you know getting you know what college I was going to go to there was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of trepidation and concern and just needless amounts of anxiety that was you know centered on that but ultimately then I got into this college that I was excited about before even going that I ended up really enjoying Um, and then you kind of get to the end of that and you're like oh my gosh what is that 16 years of school you're on that one focus and then I kind of got to this point where asking what's happening what's going to be my five-year plan like I really don't know and in a weird way initially that was super unsettling to me and I'm learning to be more okay with that I think anytime I tried to plan something like I think a great way to think about it is what I thought my college experience would be like when I was even a junior or senior in high school so very close to what when the experience would start was so different from my actual experience was. So anytime I try and think of, oh, this is what could happen even in two years or three years. Yeah. It just doesn't end up and not in a bad way. It just is not what, what ends up happening. So I think maybe it's the whole like live in the present and just, you know, take life one day at a time. But I do understand what you're saying in terms of the anxiety. And another big thing is she's basing all of, her future, at least it seems this way from the outside. I'm not sure if this is actually what she's doing, but it's all based on this romance with Jason Street. And she very much is picturing her future with this person. And I personally have been dating my partner for almost five years now. And it is very hard for me to imagine my future without understanding how he fits into it. We currently live in different cities and that's fine. We've made our decisions to pursue our careers in the cities that are best for us. But then when I look forward and I jump ahead in my mind five years, ten years, he's always there. But mm-hmm. he's not the motivating force for what yeah. causes me to make some of the actions that I do. But it is very much he is always in my future plans mm-hmm. in the way that Lila also has Jason in hers. Is that something that you've ever had to had to deal with because it's honestly a hard thing to negotiate yeah uh no I'm like a strong independent woman uh I I do understand where you're coming from and I imagine that in my future that will definitely come up and I can see friends and family that that has been a a big motivating factor in their decisions life decisions Mm -hmm. in terms of where they're living in terms of the jobs that they're in and that makes a lot of sense and it makes sense to me why Lila is thinking that way but it also is a little concerning to me that she's 17 16 the age is kind of a little ambiguous but that 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 she's already thinking that way and that is a little concerning to me because it is like oh my gosh your whole life is ahead of you Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I also think that's very much a, a Texas mentality, mm-hmm. maybe a whole Southern mentality, yeah. which I'm sure we'll see some young marriages or some young parents at some point in the show because it wouldn't be a Texas show without that, and we can explore that there. But I really don't think the way Lila is shaping her world around this first romance is really that different than what a lot of girls are taught should be the way they shape their worlds. So that's talking very extensively about my favorite scene. So Jeff, tell me about your favorite scene. So my favorite scene was a very different part of the episode where Coach Taylor gets annoyed. I mean, he's getting annoyed slowly but surely over the whole entire episode. The team seems to just not be committed in the way he expects them to be. And there's a moment where Smash is on television doing an interview, and I can't honestly even remember what he says to rile up Coach Taylor, but he says something that sets him off. And the coach calls one of the assistant coaches and says, get all the team together. And you realize, and for for some sort of practice, and you realize it's the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. presumably like 10 or 11 p.m. It's a weeknight. They have school the next day. And he calls them all to this practice. They end up, they hop on this bus. They go to what I would only describe as a ravine, although I don't even know if I've ever been to a ravine before. But it's this, like, place where there's some sort of river, small body of water in the middle, and there, you know, there's sort of hills on both sides. And they're running from one side to the other side. And, of course, right when the bus, like, pulls away and they're going towards this ravine, they start, it just starts pouring and like torrential downpouring and in my notes I wrote of course it starts raining when they all have to work out at night so theatrical feels like remember the titans to me and And also speaking of running in the wind that we were talking about earlier maybe it made them feel good I think you're right there could be I mean I think it also can make you feel sick there's Uh the whole like hypothermia factor at some point Saracen does a little like vomit to the side. I don't know if you noticed that. It was not to the side. It was full <laughs> frontal vomit. My favorite type of full frontal action. Yeah. So I don't honestly know what the Remember the Titans reference was, except that I think that they were, there's some part of that movie where they're in some dramatic weather event, whether it's like snowing or downpouring or something, and they're still practicing. And I think that's kind of a football thing that like other sports you know, you'd be like, okay, it's not optimal time to be outside as a human, so we're not going to be outside. We're going to call it off, but the whole football thing is we're going to play through this. But kind of, so in in the middle of this, there was totally a Taylorism, a Coach Taylorism, and just one of his things that felt very much like him. And he says, if you think you're a champion because you wear the Panther uniform, you're wrong. If you think you're a champion because they give you a piece of pie at the diner, you're wrong. Champions don't complain. Champions don't give up. Champions give 200%. You're not a champion until you've earned it. So there are a few upsetting parts of this quote to me. The first of which is the idea of giving 200%. The idea of, you know, even giving 110%, which I understand is a magnitude less than 200%. Obviously, the idea is still the same behind that in that giving it your all, but I feel like kind of giving it 100% is giving it your all, and we have this terrible mentality, whether it be in sports or our work or our life in general, that we need to just like be going, 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 and give it our all in this way that is potentially damaging. Mm-hmm. And, and hearing that from a coach was not surprising to me, but was really concerning. So I wonder if you had a similar reaction. I also really hate when people say 200%. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. It really upsets me as well. And then in my mind, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm like, oh, well, I wonder if, I mean, no one puts as much thought into it when they're saying they're giving something 200%. But in my mind, 
if you're giving 200% to your football, then you're giving 0% to sleep. Or yeah. so I wonder if you have these like different percentages that you're supposed to allot to different things. So like taking care of yourself or working or sleeping or working out or whatever it is, maybe that's where the 200% comes from is you're supposed to take away from these other percentage points. Mm. But honestly, I, it does no. Yeah, I, I really don't like it. At what cost? It's, I think football definitely has the whole mind over matter mentality, and I really don't think that's very healthy. But I mean, that's why I'm not a football champion. Yeah, well, I give up. Neither of these boys yet, but we'll see. That's Who knows what's time. in their future? I mean, we didn't even we didn't mention this yet, but this week the the episode starts with them at a game, and it's really this tragic ending where Matt Saracen, you know, runs for the touchdown at the end. And gets to the one yard line and doesn't make it, and that was really sad to me. But have but, you been at a football game where that's happened? Because I have. Maybe I honestly did. Like yeah, I blocked out some of those memories. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> Heartbreaking. I mean, I was yeah. watching it and feeling for him, both because I think we have a strong connection with Matt Saracen specifically. So if it was one of the other players, number one crush, I might feel different. Yeah, it was. It was really sad. Even though you're like, well, they could have done other things better at any other point of the game, I'm assuming. Right. It should never have to come down to the last 10 seconds. Yeah. And before we move on, just a quick thing that I wanted to point out um, that was like, I don't want to say upsetting to me, but so after you have this this scene in the rain, um, Riggins ends up that he had left practice earlier and caused this kind of, this point of tension with both the with both coach Taylor and him and also the team I think it's also an awkward thing when mm-hmm. when you you know you just like leave your team in the middle of practice because you're frustrated so the co- coach Taylor realizes because one of the coaches the assistant coaches Mac I believe is the same he mentions that he had noticed something we had mentioned in the previous episode in episode two that Riggins had been watching the game from the first game and kept replaying and replaying and watching it and really having some sort of remorse about the fact that he was probably not able to help his best friend Jason Street when he got paralyzed. So there is this point of redemption for Riggins where the coach, Coach Taylor, says that he kind of understands and says, like, you know, you can't blame yourself for that, which I thought was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. But then he says, you owe me a practice. Or, and then he actually says, you know, you can walk home and we'll call it even. And so then you have this scene where he's walking home and then magically it's not raining anymore after these torrential downpours. He looks like he's kind of been rained on, but not dramatically. He looks pretty dry. And then Lila picks him up and then or gets, you know, sees him. And I was just like, this seems like a continuity error to me. Because her car is dry. Her car is dry. She seems very dry, although she's probably just come from the hospital. So why would she be wet? And we're going to talk more about this, this scene is, yes. later because TBD. I have a lot to unbox about it. TBD. So now I think we're moving on to, wait, What? what? So the first thing I wanted to bring up with our Wait What this week, we're at this pancake dinner, which I actually have to ask Brie about later, because these pancake dinners, like, what are these? Are they a Texas tradition? But firstly, we're at this pancake dinner, which is being held to support Jason Street and, and the funding for his rehab. And there's a side conversation that I honestly missed completely the first time I watched this episode, only upon rewatching it did I notice it, where the mayor, who's a feisty character in her own regard, is talking to Tammy Taylor. And she says, I heard about your new job. The last school counselor killed herself. And I just remember, and then they just pan into another conversation. And that was insane to me. And I don't even, like, is that is this, 
is this something that, are we foreshadowing something? I mean, I've watched, I'm in the middle of the third season. I can promise you nothing bad happens to Tammy at the part that I, until the part that I'm up to. But it just felt very, like a weird aside. And was it that the kids are really hard or the job is really hard or is it just trying to spook her? It was just a very, very weird moment. Yeah, I'm guessing it's more trying to spook her than anything else, but it did feel very strange. Yeah. I mean, is it supposed to be more of a characterization of who the mayor is supposed to be? Like, does she have kind of that overstepping morbidity and trying to spook people as part of her character later? Not that I'm aware of, but I think she definitely wants to. I would say that she always is on a power play and mm-hmm. that she's really the one in charge. And you see for her, the team is a big part of her power. I see. And so being close to the coach is important to her and so being close to Tammy I think is also important to her so having that connection is is important really interesting I feel like it's you know even if it's not true like just being able to withhold knowledge over someone kind of like when you buy a house and you're like oh the last person who lived here was murdered and you're just like oh the neighbors know so much more than me this is I don't know it it felt weird I agree yeah I have a wait what moment as well So, towards the beginning of the episode, Julie and Coach Taylor are in the Alamo Freeze, which is not a real place. It's basically a Dairy Queen. I was looking at it, I was like, this is clearly Dairy Queen, and I looked at Jeff, and he was like, oh, well, it's Alamo Freeze thing, and I wasn't familiar with it, but I thought maybe it was an Austin thing, places, or like a San Antonio thing, even though they're in Austin, not San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio is where the Alamo is, which is a, a building that signifies a fight in Texas, and people always say, remember the Alamo. It's a very tiny building now. But... It was all, it was the same size always. It's not, you know... No, no. So it was a much larger building. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was a much larger building that was attacked, and so, like, part of the building is still standing, uh, and that is what people think of when they visualize the Alamo, but there was originally much more to it than what there is now. We should go. I feel like we're going to end up doing, like, a, a road trip. Yeah. Road trip. I feel like I'm going to take you to a high school football game or something. Yeah. Um, but... So they're in this Alamo Freeze, which is based on a Dairy Queen, which, quick aside, because my sides have been quick today. <laughs> no, they haven't. Dairy Queen has a very great website. So I was telling Jeff that the Texas Dairy Queens actually have a different website and a different menu than nationwide Dairy Queens. Which is, like, insane to me. Is it a big Is it a big part of the culture when you grew up? Was it, like, the place that you went as a sort of, like, a family gathering for fast food and and ice cream novelties? I would say every fast food location was a family gathering for fast food and novelties. Fast food is a much bigger deal in Texas, I will say, but... Well, everything's bigger in Texas. Everything is bigger, Um, but Dairy Queen, I don't think, stood out as being a Texas tradition or being more of a fast food tradition than other places, but it's definitely there, but they do have a different menu. There are two different websites. One is dairyqueen.com and one is dqtexas.com so they're very worth checking out if you want to look at it they're they're very informative they ask things like where's Dennis the Menace who used to be their mascot and it's just really funny I'm sorry for that tangent no but I want to can we just unpack that a little bit more because I'm fascinated that you just pulled up the DQ Texas page and the first thing they're advertising is a taco trio I had no idea you could get tacos at DQ could you get food at your Dairy Queen I think so. Mm-hmm. I didn't honestly frequent Dairy Queen, so I think the only time I went there was for ice cream novelties, which is, I think I got the Blizzard. Is that the... That's the frozen 
smooth frozen shake that's thicker than a shake and you could turn it upside down and it wasn't supposed to be able to budge. Yeah, and I was actually a little upset because there is a Dairy Queen in New York City in Manhattan proper. I have um, been there. Have you been? Oh my gosh, I totally forgot I've been there, yes. Was this a drunken evening? No, oh. no, I only drunkenly go to McDonald's. Oh, okay. So, good to know. Is there? Oh, there is a McDonald's in our neighborhood. I was like, is there... Well, I go to the McDonald's. There's So there's one by my work, <laughs> and it's by the subway, and usually by the time I get to the subway, I really have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, totally get that. So I go to that McDonald's, and there's also one on, like, the Lower East Side. Yeah, good places to go out. But there is one. There's Derek Queen on 14th Street in Manhattan, and I went there, and I purchased a Blizzard, and I was very upset that it was very watery as blizzards go. I mean, it was more like, it just felt more like soft serve ice cream than a traditional blizzard. And I think you're supposed to ask them if you want that they can do the like flipping upside down Mm -hmm. trick. And she didn't even try because she knew. Did you ask? I didn't. I had this moment of like, do I or do I not? Mm -hmm. And in those moments, I just feel like I should just, I don't know. I'm not really confrontational as if that's confrontation. Like I'm paying money for this thing that's supposed to, you know, be hardened ice cream like and it's clearly not it was soupy I think I opted for like Oreo or some really not so great flavor too Mm -hmm. it was just upsetting experience altogether so I just imagine how much better DQ Texas would be yeah and now I'm actually thinking back so my grandma used to pick me up from school every Wednesday Mm -hmm. and she lived pretty far from me I would spend the night with her every Wednesday and every Wednesday we went to Dairy Queen. Wow. Yeah, I, I forgot for a little bit, but that, that was a thing that we did. Yeah. Um, Do you remember what you ordered? Yes, I used to get a grilled chicken sandwich, and I would say it was it was the chicken that looked wet, um, because I, did, I could never remember the difference between fried and grilled, and so I would describe it as the wet chicken, because that's <laughs> what eight-year-old Bree noticed about it yeah also eight-year-old Bree in texas doing grilled versus fried that was a sign that i was going to leave texas yeah you were you were on the outs already anyways (laughs) so they're in the alamo freeze yes (laughs) and there is a man who is taunting julie and and coach taylor and he says something things get real unpleasant around here when you lose and he was Kind of saying that the Coach Taylor is if Coach Taylor would know. And so that just resurfaced my, wait, what? Question of, are the Taylors new in town? I don't know. I just, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't think there's, I think it's just continually, they kind of want to make you think maybe, maybe there isn't, maybe, who knows. I think it's just going to keep coming up and no conclusive answers. Oh, well. But, well I'm happy Matt works at Dairy Queen. Yeah, well, Alma says. Sorry, but we can call it Dairy Queen. I just don't understand. I mean, why they would use the Dairy Queen as a set location, but not call it Dairy Queen when it is such a Texas thing. I mean, they use the Applebee's. I'm assuming Dairy Queen didn't pay for to be part of the show, but it just seems very strange that they created Alamo Freeze. Yeah, agreed. Speaking of Texas things, we have our segment. I don't know if we had this last week, but we're definitely needing a segment. Does this happen in Texas? Bree, your Texas expert. Yeah. Your Texpert. Yeah, Texpert, our Texpat, Texpert. Say that ten times fast. So the first thing that comes up in this that I want to talk about in this episode that was uh, interesting to me, this is the first time really that Friday Night Lights takes on a timely... Oh, Bree is done with her hot chocolate. We are going to... I was not 
showing you that to be like, get me more hot chocolate. I'm showing you that it turned into like sludge. Yeah, that's what cheap hot chocolate looks like at the oh, bottom. Oh, screw you. I could have said something much more explicit, but I did not. Uh, or it's an explicitly marked podcast, so you can say whatever you want. Anyways, back to the back to the episode. So, so... There's this point where you're like, oh, we could be at any time period in the last 20 years when this is filmed, right? Wrong after you watch this episode because there's this discussion of this this football quarterback that's amazing. That's what they call a Katrina refugee, which is upsetting to me. The idea of a refugee is really a person who has been forced to leave a country due to war, persecution, or natural disaster, that's a whole other conversation that I don't need to get into, but the idea that we call people who were um, displaced by Hurricane Katrina as refugees is upsetting. Anyways, it's a reference to Hurricane Katrina, which happened in 2005, and so I wanted to ask Bree about her experience with that growing up in Texas around that time. I know a lot of displaced people mm-hmm. from New Orleans and the surrounding areas ended up in Houston, so is that something that you personally experienced when you were living in Texas? Yeah, I, it is something I experienced, probably not to the same extent as other cities in Texas or maybe major cities since I was in the suburbs at the point that Katrina happened. So I, I think a lot of people were displaced and moved to Texas, mostly because Texas is so big. They're, they're, it's easy to find real estate there. Apartments are cheaper there. And so I think for a lot of people who were able to maybe purchase a new place to live or someone gave them a subsidy for a new place to live. Texas was a very ideal option. So I actually did have a student in one of my classes whose family was displaced by Katrina. And he was, so I was in freshman year, French level one class. And he was a senior who, you know, was kind of, thrown into the school his senior year, which is obviously not something anyone wants to move their senior year, especially he loved Louisiana. I mean, it was his home, Mm -hmm. you know, he was very passionate. He wore like a New Orleans Saints jersey all the time. And they placed this boy who was a senior in high school in our French freshman year class. And I'm not sure if it's because he asked to be in it or if they assumed that he had an interest in French because uh, there's a lot of French-speaking people in the New Orleans area or what. But, yeah, we did have students who were displaced there. And that I, I, I don't know how many people were able to go back or how many people stayed in Texas. Yeah, an interesting aside for me is that it's been just past the 10-year mark a few mm-hmm. months ago. I was super invested in reading on uh, reading about different people's coverage one story that I came across was in New York Magazine. Oprah at the time put together in Houston this place called Angel Lane, which is a group of 65 houses for displaced people from Katrina, and they pay a relatively small mortgage monthly, mm-hmm. and they get to live in this these like fairly nice residential suburban homes. And then going back 10 years later, a large percentage of the people still are living on Angel Lane, which is really intriguing to me. But getting back to the episode, I think an interesting thing that you mentioned was this sort of tension between not really having a home and this 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 kid voodoo tatum who's this star quarterback from some area in louisiana presumably Mm -hmm. who totally is you know it's that curious thing it's in a weird way kind of i mean it's different than jason street but jason street has this like clear path like we're Mm -hmm. talking about our five-year plans and he has this clear path of him going to notre dame and then going to the nfl definitely voodoo sees himself doing something similar 
and then has this, you know, act of God that stops him from his his current trajectory. And in an interesting way, I think he he's a character that somehow, even though I'm saying all these things out loud of, of things that I have sympathized towards, that I feel, you know, that is so tragic and, and he clearly is so talented and I'm assuming has worked so hard to get to that point, that it's still because we have learned in only two short episodes to love Matt Saracen so Poor much. Baby Matt. Yeah. That anyone stepping on his possible turf really upsets me. And part of it is that that Voodoo, I think, in this episode comes off as a bit cold. And mm-hmm. understandably, if you who do you trust at that point? Everyone's trying to make them offers. He's such a talented, a talented player that people understandably could be taking advantage of him. The first scene we see him in, they're in a motel room, his mother's ironing, his father's sitting and watching television, is just the two of them seem so downtrodden to me in a way that they just have been continually beaten down and beaten down by just people probably, you know, telling them one thing and and another thing happening or just like their lives have been turned so upside Mm -hmm. down. So they really are not super trusting, which makes sense to me. I'm making this, this is all like connecting the dots. None of this is said in the episode, but this is like the storyline I've created in my mind. And he, as a, as a player seems or as a person, I should say, Voodoo Tatum seems kind of, like, stone-faced. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, he looks he looks really cold. I mean, he looks like he just had his life taken from him. And I, I think that my face would look like that, too. And people would maybe not find, would not think warm thoughts of me if they were to see me after I experienced something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, seeing him juxtaposed with, Baby Matt, who I might just start calling Baby Matt from now on. I think that's fair. You know, I I should really feel terrible for this kid. His, all of his belongings were probably taken away from him. Everything that he knew is gone. I mean, luckily he has both of his parents still. They don't mention if he has siblings that may have been part of this terrible natural disaster or not. But in, that, in the final scene, I don't sympathize with him, which is, yeah. it makes me sad. But I will say in that first scene where we meet Voodoo, which I, I didn't know his name until Jeff said it because I they don't really talk about him yeah. with a name. They talk about him as this quote-unquote Katrina refugee who's a star quarterback. But that scene where they go to meet with him and his family, and I'm really surprised Coach Taylor agreed to go with Buddy Garrity because that it seems very not in character for him. Mm-hmm. But while I was watching that scene, I was physically cringing I was so uncomfortable I really hated it and you know that's how you're supposed to feel you're not supposed to be like go buddy go get us a quarterback but I just I I really admire the tv creators uh the creators of this episode because they they got across that feeling very effectively and so I admire that and I wish that maybe it caused me to have a little more positivity and hope for Voodoo, but it, it hasn't yet. Hmm. It, make, it makes it seem to me that we're not supposed to like him, and that yeah. makes me sad. Yeah. So, he, I mean, he definitely will be a part of future episodes. There's the potential for us to feel a little bit for him, but I think he definitely has this coldness coming on to him. Yeah. So another, wait, does that happen in Texas question that you alluded to earlier were pancake dinners. So mm-hmm. before we bounce it back to me, the Texan... Did you have any experience with these pancake dinners or breakfast? Yeah, so not really. The only one thing that I could think of is that every year, seniors at the beginning of the year had a senior breakfast. Mm-hmm. It was some Saturday morning. You got together, you dressed with your friends, typically in themed 
um, pajamas, and then you had a regular breakfast that was probably pancakes and eggs and mm-hmm. something very simple. I don't think it raised money for anything. I think it was just like a, this is a lovely rite of passage for seniors, but otherwise I can't think of anything. So was it a big part of your, of your upbringing? I would say not specifically pancake meals. I did participate in an annual pancake meal that did raise money for the local Kiwanis club, which is a, like a lion's club or like a rotary club type thing. Like Kiwanis isn't like the, the, the part of Brooklyn Gowanus? Kiwanis. K-I-W-A-N-I-S. Huh. U-S. Um, it's a volunteer organization. I, I, I was affiliated with like the the student division, which is the key club, which is the volunteer club when Oh, I think I've heard of school, key clubs, right? yeah. And so we we the high schoolers would work the event, it would raise money, etc. And it was pancake based. But there were other sorts of, I feel like it's, it is part of the small town thing is you do have these events where there's a lot of food and you, you buy tickets to the event mm-hmm. to eat the food and those proceeds go to someone. Yeah. Um, usually it, it's someone who's sick and it's, I think part of it is a dignity thing. You want to be able to give a good back to them instead of just taking donations. But I, I really like the pancake dinner. I, it's, it makes sense to me. Yeah. It's also where we, we see Julie and Matt kind of brush oh, a little bit. I know. That was exciting. So I know, I feel like that's going to happen. Mostly because I love baby Matt and like who else can they put him with? Right. Other than me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. A little too much. So yeah. So that's like the pancake dinner. And then I guess do what else should we talk about? Should we talk about some yeah, things yeah. that'll lead into the next episode? Yeah, we have another segment that we're going to try out today called Planting the Seeds. Planting the Seeds. <laughs> so my thing is, I want to go back to my favorite scene, which mm-hmm. I think plants seeds for the next episode. So just a reminder, if you dozed off between us talking about my favorite scene, which is where... Lila and Jason Street are breaking up. It leads to Lila going to pick up Tim Riggins after he's been forced to walk home after the rainy day practice, rainy night practice. Mm -hmm. And I, while this is happening and Lila's crying and all of that, she gets out of the car. She's fine. She offers Tim a ride. And my thoughts that I'm live typing as I watch it are Lila needs a bad girl arc, like the opposite of a redemption arc. She needs a bad girl arc because she she is just so positive that she needs to do something to set her off. And she even says the phrase, I thought God would do me a favor because I'm such a good girl. And so I was really happy that she was getting all of her anger out on Riggins over her breakup and her torn future. And she says... She's hitting him. She She's hitting him, which... There's a lot that we could we could talk about that that it's okay for a woman to hit men. I, I don't think that's okay, but but she's getting her anger mm-hmm. out, and I I do think that Riggins knows that it's not meant as a way to physically harm him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why we expect all these things from Riggins to be the under the person who understands everyone else's anger, even though he just is like a lone wolf or a yeah. tiger or whatever, a panther. <laughs> but <laughs> so I'm just really happy that she's getting this all out. And then she says the phrase, he's never going to love me. And that's where she really just breaks down. And then 
out of nowhere they just start making out and I'm just like what 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 how is this happening I am not okay with this at all why did I wish for a bad girl arc I regret all of my statements that is like the quickest like wish fulfillment possible oh my god it was terrible I think it was like a 60 second wish fulfillment yeah you know if I hadn't wished that the show that had been filmed Several years ago, obviously that wouldn't totally have happened. Would have I completely changed the show with yeah. my desire for a bad girl arc. Yeah, that was really impressive, Brie. It's like, who knew I'm that? exhausted. Who knew that was your superpower? Oh, gosh. Well, listen, I said then what you wanted to happen with the show. I'll see what I can do with my good yeah. will. Yeah. I also really like that scene because I think. In a way, we see Riggins. Riggins is a big part of this episode. I think he's developed as a character in a really strong way in this episode. He, I don't know if you see this in other points, but I feel like in future episodes, this happens again and again, where he's kind of like both uh, literally and metaphorically a human punching bag. Mm -hmm. And he's that person that people like get their anger out on, but they still have this feeling of closeness to him. And this feeling that they can tell him things that they are struggling with to talk about to other people. Yeah, and I wonder if it's because he allows himself to kind of be this outsider that doesn't play by the rules by any means, that people feel okay doing these, like, being open to him in a way. It is really interesting. And I do like that she isn't the perfect character anymore. Yeah. I mean, we did need a little dimension to her. She has her little baby voice that can be really grating, and so I'm happy that we gave her a little more depth. I will say, we didn't even talk about that Riggins and his girlfriend, who you really like. Tyra. Tyra. I couldn't even remember her name because she doesn't mean anything to me yet. But they they broke... She will. I'm sure. But they broke up at the beginning of this episode. In a really kind of sad... Yeah. Kind of like quick and dirty way. Yeah. But what I... Actually, the one one note I wrote about that scene was I really love that Tyra also drives a truck. I noticed that too. Very similar to Riggins' truck. So I think that that's something that I definitely did not experience growing up in the New England area, that, yeah, Ford trucks, people had Ford trucks, and they would be, like, built Ford tough or whatever that phrase is. But was, I feel like trucks, to me, are quintessentially a Texas thing. Yeah, I would say so. And so, in a weird way, I think where I grew up, trucks were very gendered as a male thing. Do you feel like that was the same in Texas? No, I learned to drive in a truck. I regret that, but I did. I, I I don't think it was a really gendered thing. I think it was more of a how did you spend your free time thing. So if you if you were someone who did a lot of things outdoors, or and that would be things like playing sports outdoors, or you know hunting, which I am not thrilled with, or other sorts of major outdoor activities where you would have equipment that you would be lugging around. I think a truck was preferred. I mean, it also kind of stems from a lot of kids are given the cars of their parents when their cars get when their parents get new cars. So if their parents have a truck, then you end up with a truck as yeah. well. So yeah, I mean, trucks are around. It. I'm not really sure what Tyra's connection is with the truck, but she does seem like a truck kind of gal. But I, I think it gives her some power in a way. Like that was mm-hmm. what was like she kind of seems like a badass to me. I think she is. You just gave us that explicit. Yeah, congrats. Woot, woot. Well on that note, 
I think we, I think we're done. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Friday Night Live. There are so many ways you can keep in contact with us and keep up to date on things. We have a website, which is FridayNightLives.com. That's FridayNightLives.com. We have a Twitter account that's you can tweet at us at fnlpod that's where you can find a picture of me in my pajamas yeah so go look right now anyway just as refreshing as some sludgy basic off-brand hot chocolate yeah off-brand for sure and last way you can send us any of your notes your likings dislikings things we should do things you know we wish could happen in future episodes that we will make happen things that dq should add to their texas menu whatever you want to our email, Friday Night Lives Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know if there's a segment you like or you don't like, or if there's one that you want us to add. You guys are really in control here. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening.